0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of Objective Health. I am your host, Elliot, and join with me in the virtual studio. We have Doug and we have Tiff. Hello. Hello. We also have Damien back in the background. Hello. And in today's show, we're going to be talking about the topic of microplastics looking at how plastic has a detrimental effect on human health and how it's ubiquitous in the environment. This is particularly pertinent, given the fact that the vast majority of the human population, a significant number of the human population over the past two years have been made to wear masks, which are at least in part made from plastic. And we'll look at how that may potentially be affecting people's health as well. So this really comes off the back of a recent Macola article which was published a couple of days ago. Uh, and it's talking about a new study that was recently published in the Netherlands. Now, this was the first of its kind to identify microplastics being very, very, very small particles of plastic uh in human blood samples so what the researchers did um was they analyzed uh 22 different blood samples and they found in the vast majority 17 of those samples contained significant amounts of plastic now you might be thinking plastic well plastic's big uh it turns out that when plastic goes into the environment or whether it's inhaled, whether it's processed in some way, it releases these tiny, tiny, tiny particles, breaks up into very small parts, and these are, in many cases, not actually perceptible uh, to the human eye. So uh, the definition of a microplastic is anything below five millimeters. I think it is, um, but actually, many microplastics can be classified as even smaller smaller particles and these are nanoplastics and that's like exponentially smaller there's no way that you're going to be able to see that with the human eye but it does seem to get into the human body anyway um so this study um they identified uh three main or the majority of plastics that were found um in this study were three plastics so half of the types of plastic was polyethylene tetraphthalate, which is something that you find in plastic water bottles, soda bottles, and generally soft kind of bendy plastics. Uh, a third of the samples contained polystyrene, which is widely used in food packaging, uh, and one-quarter of the samples contained polyethylene. Now, this is something which is primarily used to make plastic bags. Uh, this is not the only study to have found plastic in the human body. There have been various other studies which have identified plastic in the feces. Um, other studies have shown plastic to become deposited in the lungs. Uh, generally, it can be inhaled, so uh, this can be often in occupational exposures wherever there's any kind of uh, plastic cutting or processing in in factories and whatnot, but also. Uh, through more common means as well, you don't necessarily need to be working in a plastic factory to be able to 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 be inhaling this stuff. Um, one of the theories is is that even if it's inhaled, um, as the lungs are coughing this up, as we cough it up, as um, mucus essentially carries it um, up into the mouth, we then swallow that. Now, um, these types of plastic, the very small particles, or the nanometer. Plastics uh have been found to penetrate into the bloodstream from the gut. Uh it turns out that our gut uh contains a, a barrier, it's called the epithelial barrier. Now, this is ordinarily designed to prevent toxins from getting into the bloodstream. Uh it's generally very good at doing this when we're dealing with natural bacterial toxins, microbial toxins, etc. But when we're dealing with man-made um, chemicals and and produce such as plastic well the gut isn't very well designed to deal with that and it turns out that these very small um particles of plastic can penetrate the gut barrier once they get past the gut barrier they can then make their way through the bloodstream to the various organs they've been found in uh the placenta for instance they've been found to lodge within the lungs i believe they found they've been found to migrate into the liver, into the heart, into the kidney, and into the brain of the fetus. So generally, this is a pretty pretty concerning thing, given the fact that everyone uh, is exposed to this stuff. Uh, frankly, we can't get away from it, and what we'll be talking about today's show is kind of how ubiquitous it is in the environment the kinds of exposures that we that we have and, and where it comes from um, but one thing i'd like to start off with is looking at some of the effects that this had been shown to have um on the on mammalian physiology so one study was looking at pregnant rats they found that um 20 nanometer so extremely small polystyrene beads um Absorbed could be absorbed directly through the lungs. Uh, this wasn't a study looking at it, absorption through the gut. Uh, they found that it made its way from the lung into the heart, into the spleen, eventually into the placenta, and then as I said before, into the fetal organs. Now they identified that this had uh some some detrimental effects on the uh on the on the fetus, um, and they they speculate whether the effects that this might have on the human body could include coronary dysfunction, um, uh, vascular perturbations, negative reproductive health outcomes, and neurological outcomes. Um, and that is through maternal exposure. So there's been a variety of different studies looking at the effect on uh, the human body, it, or on, on, on animal studies at least, uh, and it's pretty disturbing. Um before we move on, anyone got any thoughts on microplastics?
1: Well, I thought it was pretty interesting that The Guardian reported on that study about um, microplastics being found deep in the lungs of living people for the first time. And throughout the entire article, they never once mentioned masks. Um, mm-hmm. Despite the fact that there have been studies out there that have shown that the plastic from masks, we inhale them. I mean, of course we do. We've got them strapped to our face, right? Um, So I just found it very interesting that, you know, they're talking about the the, um, exposure. um, And they mentioned a few different places, like you mentioned, Elliot, different places where you can get um, exposed to this kind of thing, um, to the plastics, to actually breathing it in. But they never once mentioned masks. So I just thought that that was kind of interesting, to say the least.
2: Yeah. Also interesting, uh, since this Guardian article is fairly recent, you wonder like how much of this is covered. I mean, microplastics have been around, so it's not like it's a conspiracy and they're just making this up to hide the effects of the COVID vaccinations. But a lot of these effects that they noticed in these rat and mouse studies that they've been doing on microplastics, it sounds like a lot of the things that could happen with the alleged spike protein or, you know, the effects of what is in the vaccines that is causing people to become sick. But I think that microplastics are actually a real phenomenon. And I don't know, reading about it just makes you feel like, God, we're screwed. Like, is there anything that we can do to to live in a healthy environment and not be just subjected to all these toxins all the time?
0: Yeah, I mean it's a, that's a good point. Uh it might be another one of those things that again they they're bringing people's attention to to divert away from uh from the obvious mm-hmm. which people are still kind of dealing with. Um but that being said, I mean it does seem to be a genuine issue and something that we've done shows on before I believe several years ago now. Um what's very interesting I think the reason why it's 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 important to kind of relook at this is because of the fact that people have been have been made to wear masks for mm-hmm. sometimes ten hours per day, you know, up to ten hours per day. Some people have even been wearing them at home, so people have been exposed to these 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 masks, which are made up of extremely extremely small, uh, or can 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 uh, can shed very small plastic fibers um it turns out that there's i mean there's at least three studies um there was there's there's one study which has been shown that these the disposable face masks at least they release uh not only micro microfibers but they release nanoplastics as well now the concern here was um okay well the sheer amount of disposable masks that the the, the human race has kind of gone through over the past two mm-hmm. years is, is uh, unprecedented compared to previous years, right? Um, and one of the concerns is the environmental impact that that has. And we'll, we'll kind of look at that in a minute because that's very interesting. Um, but at the same time, what we've also got is, you know, at least two or three other studies which have very recently been published or at least been published in the last year or so Which have identified um, like greatly increased uh, inhalation of these plastic fibers when using masks. And it's interesting that uh, that tends to get worse after the masks have been um, washed or have been manipulated in some way, for instance, using alcohol, you know, dowsing a mask in in like an alcohol solution or even washing it in like a washing machine. Even many of the cotton, you know, like the cotton fabric masks, they they also contain plastic. This is, you know, it's it's really difficult to actually find material uh, which are used to make these masks that don't contain some kind of plastic. And, and when people, especially people who have been washing these things and who have been wearing the same mask for prolonged periods of time, um, they yeah. show pretty consistent findings. And we spoke previously about how these masks harbor all kinds of things. Ranging from Lyme disease to E. coli to salmonella to strep, you know, that they're, they're like bacterial, you know, b- bacterial co- colonies kind of thing. Um, but at the same time, we've got this very real possibility that people have have had a pretty substantial exposure to microplastics simply from breathing these things in. And so one of the historically one of the main concerns with microplastics is that unlike um, organic compounds, which might be produced and can be somewhat metabolized or broken down by the n- natural ecosystems. Um, you know, you've got bacteria, you've got protozoa, you've got all of these uh, small microorganisms which can degrade organic chemicals. What we see uh, with microplastics is generally they they <laughs> there's very few ways to actually get rid of them, and for several years, in fact, decades. We've had a greater awareness and a variety of different studies which have highlighted the environmental impact that this might be having. So it's been been estimated that uh, anywhere between 800,000 and 2.5 million tons of small plastic or microplastics uh, are estimated to uh, end up in the ocean every single year now these travel through the ocean eventually they can become deposited on the ocean floor there was a study which was looking at uh microplastic exposure of uh some of the uh low lying um fish which which kind of reside on the ocean floor um and they they found that there was uh plastic in the vast majority of those and multiple types of plastic and they they kind of hypothesized that, that was because what you're doing is, is even if you're dumping high levels of plastic or burnt plastic, as that is dumped into the ocean, as it's acted on by various, you know, cyanobacteria and things, and even fish, you, you end up with this being broken down into very small, 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 tiny particles. Now, this makes its way up the food chain as well. So it tends to accumulate in animals. In fact, there was a very worrying statistic showing that um 83% of fish in freshwater environments had plastic debris in the gut and this was mostly microplastics in- including microfibers now it's been shown that this these microplastics they don't just stay in the gut they 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 actually become incorporated into the structure of the fish because they are absorbed like they are in human beings so these fish, they break these things down. They absorb this microplastic into the bloodstream. This starts getting deposited in the organs, or in the muscles, or in the tissues of some kind. Now we eat those fish, so you can end up with you know uh, this this upwards effect up the food chain. It's even been found in mussels and other other kinds of um, shellfish as well. In fact, massive amounts of shell, uh, massive amounts of plastic can be accumulated in shellfish. One of the very um, concerning or disturbing aspects of this is that microplastics or plastic in general has generally been thought of. uh, One of the main ways in which it can cause problems for the human body is through this this process by which it disrupts our hormone balance. It's called endocrine disruption. All these things are endocrine disruptors. and, And we've spoken about this previous shows, looking at things like, bisphenol A or phthalates and things. Now, whilst many of the plastics do tend to have this endocrine-disruptive activity, it also appears that the plastic, once it's broken down, it kind of takes on uh, somewhat of a porous nature and can begin to accumulate the environmental toxins in which it's exposed to. So this can include things like heavy metals. It can include organophosphate pesticides, it can include a lot of the other crap that is dumped into the environment that's not broken down. Well, the microplastics tend to absorb this stuff and hold on to it. Now, this is particularly problematic. I mean, there was one study, I believe, I can't remember exactly where this was documented, um, but it, it was in one of the articles that we looked at for the show. And it was talking about a study which uh, which looked at the level of toxins uh, which were contained in the microplastic or in the plastic compared to its immediate local environment being the body of water that it was actually found in. And it found that in some cases, the plastic contained up to 1 million times the amount of the toxin compared with what was in the water. And they supposed that what might actually be happening is that it was absorbing this stuff. Um, so whether it's from masks... Or whether it's from fish, uh, I mean there there are some other exposures which we might want to talk about in a minute. Uh, but we are definitely being exposed to this stuff, that's for sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And we're eating it all the time too. Um, there was a study that was done um back in 2018 that where they were comparing different types of salt and like of table salt basically has microplastics in it. So that'll give you an indication of how small it is, because when you look at your salt, you don't see little plastic particles in there. So they're quite tiny at that point. Um, Another place where we're exposed to it, um, scientists say microplastics are all over farmlands, but we're ignoring the problem. So our farmlands are covered in microplastics. Part of the reason for that is because uh, biosolids are used for fertilizers and the microplastics accumulate into this biosolid mass and then it gets dumped onto the the farm fields uh, and can get taken up by the the plants and things like that or the plants are then eaten by animals so then the microplastics are there. Like you were saying Elliot, it tends to move up the food chain. So one of the disturbing things I thought in that Mercola article that we opened with It said it's clear that many human bodies are carrying an unknown quantity of plastic particles. In a study by the university of Newcastle, Australia, researchers quantified what microplastic exposure may mean for humans, revealing a shocking finding that the average person could be eating about five grams of plastic per week, about the amount found in one credit card.
2: Oh my. So you're eating a credit card a
1: week a credit card a week of plastic that's that's what they estimate people are eating it's that's really disturbing actually well yeah. one of
2: these uh other articles that we looked at as uh, well this was in 2018 but they found microplastics in human stool for the first time now this was just a small study but they did find microparticles ranging in size from 50 to 500 micrometers, uh, and people's excrement. So I guess it's kind of a good thing that you're able to poop it out. But then how much of these other microplastics are lodged in your organs or in your arteries or things like that? Uh, I don't know if there's any way of really knowing that. I mean, in a lot of these articles that we look at, uh, they say that scientists still don't know much about the effects of microplastics and more study is required but uh, we can only assume that the effects are not good
1: yeah
0: yeah i mean it's thought i i did a bit of digging into the literature a couple of years ago and it's it's really i mean i think it's one of those real insidious and Overlooked and somewhat ambiguous cause for chronic health issues. I think that really it doesn't get that much attention because there's no real way to necessarily test for this. You know what I mean? Like this stuff is pretty specialized, and I think we take for granted, or I said I don't want to say take for granted, but we uh, we underestimate or we don't really appreciate the significance of the sheer amount of this stuff that we are coming into contact with on a daily basis. And it's one of those things, you know, for instance, heavy metals. Heavy metals uh, got a lot of attention because they're extremely toxic. Um, but uh, the amount of heavy metal that we're exposed to, you know, mercury, cadmium, arsenic, Aluminium, uh, antimony, the, these 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 collection of toxic metals, is going to be probably significantly uh, lower than the more ubiquitous plastics. I mean, plastics are in our clothes, they make up the the mouse that I've currently got my hand on. You know, it, it makes up a lot of our furniture, our bedding. Uh, it's on our food. It's yeah. It, it's. It's in their water supply. I mean, they showed that the vast majority of uh, conventional water supplies, tap water, contains microplastics. It's like, well, actually, we're going to be exposed and 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 consuming a lot more of this. Now, the interesting, the the research is very interesting, um, and there are established links with things like obesity, things like metabolic syndrome, diabetes, heart disease, also reproductive issues. Uh, the interesting thing with regards to the endocrine disruption is you know what we've seen over the past 20 20 years especially 10 years is a uh, or i would say even longer several decades it's been leading up to this point we've had this uh explosion of trans uh, identifying individuals um this gender dysphoria uh homosexuality is now normalized and in fact pushed upon the population as though it's more common than it actually is and i do wonder whether it is becoming potentially more common you know we've done shows on this previously but but it's very well established that these kind of plastic molecules are the effects these plastics can have on the reproductive organs, on the developing reproductive uh, fetus. So the the characteristics, essential characteristics of the fetus, which can influence things like sexuality. Now that is established. In fact, they've shown that, for instance, you can change the gender of a laboratory experiment animals through exposing them to endocrine disruptors. You can cause animals to develop two types of genitalia you know you can have like uh what do you call it ambimorphous hermaphroditic
2: yeah
0: yeah i mean you you can do lots of really weird experimental stuff into animals in terms of changing their sexuality causing them to develop sexual behaviors which are not ordinarily going to be present it definitely has a major role in hormonal disorders and i suspect I think it's probably very likely that it's having at least a part to play in, in what we're currently seeing in our modern world with regards to gender dysphoria mm-hmm. so i mean how often does this exposure to plastics ever even get mentioned uh not very often so really i it's one of those things which i think could be very much a dark horse in terms of uh, at least accounting for some of the health issues that humanity is is experiencing and it's one of those things that you can't really test. You, know, yeah. you can't identify how much of it you have in your body, whether it's log- lodged in the organs. I think it's probably safe to assume that the majority of people have some of this. That yeah. It's having some effect.
1: You know, it's funny. You mentioned like how many people are actually talking about this. I remember, and it was probably in like the early two thousands, something like that, that. This was actually an issue. People did start to kind of worry about this kind of stuff, like like plastics in general was starting to become a thing. That's when those like. Nalgene bottles were coming out when like, you know, that it was like a better plastic and it didn't have bisphenol A in it. And like, I I remember that it was more of an issue before, maybe it's just that COVID wiped everything else off the map Mm -hmm. that like any other concerns that anybody had, especially with environmental kind of stuff, everybody was just kind of like, well, whatever, uh, we're dealing with a pandemic now and we're all going to die. But I remember that, that people were more cognizant of this kind of stuff and were worried about it. Um, so it's kind of interesting that now that mandates are dropping all over the place, people are kind of like, oh, yeah, weren't we worried about something else before? Oh, yeah, plastic. What's going on? Because it seems like more is coming out now about about the plastic stuff.
0: One thing I would mention, I guess, what, what I meant was within, uh, within alternative medicine or functional mm. medicine circles, you know, typically the – the types of doctors or, or thinkers in in that community, which um, which discuss this kind of stuff, what I would say is a lot of the emphasis is on looking for things like heavy metals and infections mm-hmm. and stuff like that. This you can't really test for. You uh, know, that, that's yeah. that's the problem. Like you, you, there's no way of quantifying it at the moment, and I think this is really one of the one of the issues. A lot of the other. Stuff that we've spoken about in previous shows, you know, many years ago, these toxic influences that we have, oftentimes there's some way of quantifying it or some way of mm-hmm. identifying it and getting it out of the body. I will be honest, I have no idea how the body excretes this stuff. I would imagine it's through one of the liver pathways, one of the, you know, CYP enzymes. But then again, if you're you're dealing with a physical object, you know, it's, you're not just dealing with like a chemical that's broken down and metabolized and attaches to things you're dealing with like a physical particle. And so, you know, the immune system has got to clear that and tag that and get it out of the body. But, you know, it's not, you know, when you're dealing with like an actual big, like a, a particle of something like a physical object. The way the body is going to process that is, is maybe a little bit more ambiguous. I would be really interested to, to see whether there are any like established ways of detoxifying plastics. I don't I would imagine that there are if it's being found in the stall. Mm-hmm. you know the body is probably finding some way to adapt and package it up in the liver. You know it's not really something I've looked into, but in terms of you know protocols to, to detoxify this stuff, there's really not, really not half the information that, yeah. that that you would have with some of the other stuff. That's a good you point. You know, that's, I guess that's what I meant. Uh, that's probably why, you know, I find it a little bit more concerning because at least if you are exposed to mercury or cadmium, you know that there's lots of things that someone can actually do about it and fix it. Uh, same for many of the kind of other chemicals, even the pesticides and stuff. There's pretty established ways. For one thing that comes to mind is, is, a, is a sauna. You know, a sauna is pretty... Uh, I mean, it's it's pretty effective against any kind of toxin. I really don't know if it, if it's going to be effective against you know in the, the body's ability to excrete micro, microplastics. That is something that I'd I'd, I'd actually like to look into. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure.
2: Well, another thing is that there are no like physical symptoms that seem to be specific to being uh, associated with being polluted by plastic or microplastics. Because if it's all in your bloodstream, it can do whatever it, your body feels that it needs to do to protect itself, and you can't necessarily say, "Oh, well, my guts hurt today; it must be because I drank out of a plastic straw, not the paper straw that they wanted me to give, wanted me to use yesterday." So, yeah, there's really no way of like sorting out microplastic toxicity symptoms from other toxicity symptoms. And people not only can they not be tested for it, really, they really don't even look at it. Like if they were to go to an alternative practitioner, I mean, what kind of test would you do to even find out?
1: Well, especially what you're saying before, Elliot, about it uh, the the plastics actually binding to other toxic material, and then uh, you know, then that could end up um, causing exposure. It's kind of like you might not even suspect that there was microplastics you might see mercury toxicity or some other heavy metal or some other organic compound or something like that that's um you know showing those kind of uh, toxicity symptoms but you wouldn't necessarily assume that it's actually the plastic in there that's mm-hmm. you know like a sponge for these things
0: yeah indeed and what's very interesting as well is that there was one study which showed that um that the the microplastics when it's in conjunction with um with another kind of a toxin in this case it was an organophosphorus um flame retardant that it's almost like they combined to cause a much greater problem in terms of much greater damage than either of them would respectively so or individually let's say so it seems as though it's kind of working in conjunction with some of the other nasty stuff and just adding to the overall burden of crap that human beings are exposed to on a on a, on a a daily basis or on a frequent basis. Um, really, I mean, the, in terms of what to do about this, well, I would say that it's somewhat idealistic to think that you could reduce or you could completely eliminate all exposure. It's likely that you can't. Uh, some of the general recommendations, uh, given by certain people is to avoid the known elements of exposure. So that's going to be the air, uh, food. So for instance, food packaging, eating foods, which are not packaged in plastics, not drinking from plastic bottles, um, trying to use plastic free personal healthcare products, that kind of stuff. What it would say is that, you know, it's, it's still pretty difficult to do that. <laughs> a lot of the stuff that we use i mean the fact that you're even using this computer i don't know if anyone else has noticed but you know if you use a laptop for long enough and you use the little uh pad with the finger on it, it or, or for instance the um the 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 key the keypad as well when when you notice that the that the letters start to fade away <laughs> or that the the pad starts to develop like a shiny surface starts to fade off well that plastic is 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 actually like that's every time you touch that you're getting some degree of plastic on your skin and if there's small very small nanoparticles of this likely it's going to be absorbed you know through the membrane of the skin and get into. it's like you yeah. can go so far and you can try to go live in the woods. But I mean, frankly, that's not possible. our
1: clothes too. Even like wearing mm. our clothing, like a lot of, apparently a lot of microplastics get into the environment because we wash and dry our clothes. And then the lint from that gets released into the air and yeah, we breathe it in. So <laughs> you can't really escape it. I mean, <laughs> kind of are living on a plastic planet at this point.
2: Yeah, this is pretty much one of those issues. I'm like, okay, I'll Nothing just we could do, do the best I can. Yeah, <laughs> that's true.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, indeed, it's just one of those things uh, to add to the list. Unfortunately, <laughs> there's there's probably not much practicable like stuff that you can do. I mean, you could try to reduce your exposure. The obvious thing would be to avoid drinking from plastic bottles, etc. I mean the Mercolo article mentions lots of things which I think they 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 might come in handy. For instance, store store foods in glass containers and mason jars. That's a pretty easy thing to do, right? Mm-hmm. Putting hot food in plastic is a really bad idea. You're gonna be increasing the the amount leached into the food like by a massive amount. It's completely unnecessary. That's not a difficult thing to do. Um there's some other recommendations like you know, request no plastic wrap on your newspaper or dry cleaning. Avoid disposable utensils and straws and buy foods in bulk when you can. Avoid processed foods. Opt for non disposable razors, cloth diapers, infant toys. I mean, this stuff, this stuff is likely probably going to reduce your exposure a little bit. It's not going to completely eliminate it. And by all means, if everyone stopped doing this, it probably wouldn't make any, even the slightest dent into the overall exposure of the ocean and the air and the water supply to plastics because the vast majority of this i think is probably coming from industry and the fact that we dump a lot of our plastic into the ocean or we burn it and then you know those particles are then dispersed into the air and eventually come down in rain and that's another thing a concern is our exposure is plastic rain and that you get these particles, which you get into the clouds, and then it's essentially come down as rain. So it's like, it's, it's like unless the entire world stopped using plastic, uh, you know, immediately, it would probably even then take several decades, if not hundreds of years, to actually degrade this stuff. I mean, in our lifetime you're going to be exposed to plastic probably for the rest of your life. (laughs) So, so, you know, I'm not, I don't think there's any need to fluff it up and and say that, yeah, you can, you know, you can detoxify this stuff. I think that the general rules apply that trying to do your best, trying to avoid the obvious routes of exposure and maintain, try to maintain somewhat of a healthy diet and try to engage in some kind of detoxification activity, whether that's, you know, hot baths, um, uh, saunas, these kinds of things which can potentially help the body deal with this stuff. Cause it seems as though the body can to some extent, otherwise we'd probably all be dead by now. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think that's everything guys. Is there anything else that you think that we need to add?
1: We're a very stupid species in a lot of way,
0: <laughs>
1: but no, that's all I had to add.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we tend to make some pretty bad decisions collectively, or let's say some people do anyway. Mm, uh, And then the rest of us, (laughs) yeah, the rest of us have to deal with it. Mm. But anyway, right. So, um, yeah, well, thanks for everyone for tuning in. Hopefully you can avoid some plastic this week. (laughs) And uh, stay tuned, show coming in next week, where we will be talking about a new topic. And that's all for today. Thanks to my co-hosts and see you next time.
1: Hi everybody. I... Bye.